We're uh, not party political, but we are into politics because politics is about people. It's about people flourishing. It's about communities flourishing. It's about nations flourishing. Uh, And in part, therefore, it's our core business, our core DNA. We believe that our task is to see the reconciliation, the restoration uh, of all that is broken, that ultimately comes true in Jesus, but is lived out in the here and now through his uh, people. So whether we like it or not, as uh, Christian people, uh, we're called to be engaged. And whether we've got energy for it this week or not, uh, there's only a few days to go, and no doubt some of you are opening a political advent calendar, counting down the days with great excitement, and others of you are opening Christmas calendars with chocolate and, and so on. So we have been on a journey, we, we've had the uh, Labour parliamentary candidates, and we've had the Conservative parliamentary candidate, and you can find those interviews at burlington.church forward slash general uh, election. And uh, today we're delighted to have uh, the Liberal Democrat uh, candidate with us, Adrian Howlian Trett, and Inga and Dr. Lockington, that are friends of uh, this church and have supported the Liberal Democrat candidates over the years. We're glad to have all of you with us. Adrian, could you come and join me? And would you give Adrian a Burlington welcome? Great. Thanks so much, uh, Adrian, for sparing the time to to be with us. I I can't uh, really imagine what it's like for you right now because you're holding down a full-time job as well. So this is um, spare time? time. Yes. This is spare time. time. This is extra. This is... This is extra kind of challenge and insight. Let's, let's zone in. We talked quite a lot last time about values and so on. So uh, well, let's just zoom straight in with Ipswich, shall we? And, uh, and just think about, uh, for you, as you understand the town, uh, what, what do you see as kind of the key issues that we're facing uh, as a town and, and what's the kind of liberal democrat or your own personal response to, to those? I think there are, there are two main issues. Um, there is obviously one particular national issue, which is Brexit. And I, I would add to that that the climate emergency change is just as important as that issue as well. And therefore, there are lots of local issues as well. And we have to, as general, general election candidates, we have to be aware of those local issues, whether it's transport issues, whether it's housing, whether it's support for mental health services, whether it's education in our schools, whether it's supporting young people. Um, you know, everything is important. And Ipswich has a wide range of issues, just like every other town and city across the country. So uh, from our perspective, I think, as a town, some of the issues certainly that were, have been talked about over the last uh, few weeks. Northern Bypass, a good idea? No, uh, Liberal Democrats are very clear on that. We don't think it is the solution to transport problems in Ipswich. I think... Uh, uh, there is a holistic approach to it. There needs to be better rail, better bus services, more cycling ways. More, uh, so it's got to be a, a sort of holistic approach to what's needed. And the Northern Bypass actually really doesn't actually help traffic in town. It might be something that may be part of a solution, but it certainly isn't the solution from a Liberal Democrat perspective. So what would be the major things that would help reduce the gridlock in town that we experience, especially when the Orwell Bridge is shut? I think there are two things. I think one, you know, I obviously use the rail services a lot, um, and I know that the rail services out from London to um, towns like Ipswich and Norwich, um, you know, uh, is not great. Uh, we don't have a very good service. There are many days when there are cancellations. 
Um, and I've seen that over the last two or three weeks more than anything else. Um, so we need to be improving um, rail services. We need to improve bus services. Local bus services are really key, especially for people who are, don't drive, who are elderly, who need that support. We need to make sure those services are appropriate for everyone um, and not just concentrating on those that can drive. And those that can drive, well, perhaps it's time for those to think perhaps about reducing their driving into town, using those services, reducing congestion, reducing air pollution. There is a pattern to it. Uh, it's about how to, how to get those things to make the earth a better place and society better understanding. And that means we all have to take some individual responsibility in helping the environment. It's certainly true that a, a main kind of focus of your manifesto is a massive investment in infrastructure, including transport infrastructure. Correct. You talk about figures of 130 billion or some, you know, yeah. um, figures that just I can't compute with. Where's that money coming from? Well, this is where you have to look at manifestos. And I, as a candidate who believes that we have to have a costed and feasible manifesto, not a pie-in-the-sky manifesto, um, our, if you've read the Institute of Fiscal Studies report, uh, it says very clearly that the Liberal Democrat manifesto is costed efficiently and feasibly. Unlike both the other two main parties, both of them promising things that actually, certainly in the Labour Party's manifesto, are just unrealistic. Um, and that's why uh, I believe that those costings that we have on infrastructure are based factually on what we can afford. But that also means putting 1p on income tax, and we are very honest about that. You know, if you want to have good services, you do have to pay for them. Uh, and the only way of doing that is actually putting that one penny on. But it's also about changing some of the things, like, for instance, uh, improving local businesses by removing business rates and putting it on land tax values. That, again, reduces those costs, but also helps to invest in those local businesses. Isn't the one P on income tax about funding the health service, though? That's part of it, but that's not all of it. So that's one of the things. But all the, all the uh, uh, studies show that our prospective uh, costings are valid and reasonable and funded. We're leaping around a bit, but it's kind yeah. of fun. Um, what, one pence on income tax towards health, which uh, I'm sure Dr. Lockington would agree we, we need a, a lot more investment in, uh, in, in the NHS. Um, is there enough money really to go around? The reason I ask is that there were, there's a strong emphasis about mental health, which we would applaud. One of the things that if I talk to us as a constituent and say, what would you like me to talk about? Mm -hmm. One of the things that comes back strongly to me is mental health, the lack of provision in the health service for mental health, super stretch, wonderful people doing an impossible job. But your manifesto seems to suggest there are extra taxes that we're not yet aware of that is going to cover care taxes and things like that. Is there, is, is there another layer of taxation that we're going to need to meet some of these needs? No, I, I think um, the promises, so one of those is, is around mental health. It's 11 billion um, to go into the mental health services because it's so important. There is not another health service or part of provision of health services that I think is more important. Um, and something that I've campaigned on around young people's mental health which is incredibly important to try and support them through school, through university and college, um, and ensuring that they don't end up in some of the issues that we've had locally, where young people haven't got places to go. Um, sadly, they get involved in gangs and, and drug wars, and we've had some serious incidents in Ipswich very recently, which I know many of you in this room will be aware of. Um, and that's partly because we haven't invested in those young people. So there's no extra, no, no hidden taxes. Everything is costed in that manifesto to provide the support that we think and people need. 
And you're alluding to there, Ipswich, uh, uh, feels less safe. Mm -hmm. Is it less safe, and and what should we do? Well, as you all know, this is my second time of doing Ipswich, so I I am a consistent candidate. I don't just jump around the place. If I'm going to stick to a place, then I actually follow it up and come again. Um, And, you know, uh, I wouldn't say it's any more less safe, particularly, um, than I've, but I know around the instance, around some of the county lines, drug um, uh, issues that we have in this place, and this is not unique to Ipswich, is actually happening all across the southeast and actually across into other more rural parts of the county and other counties as well, um, and something we've got to be really worried about. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I personally don't just believe sticking police officers is necessarily the solution. Um, yes, community police officers making sure they understand the local neighbourhoods, looking after young people in the communities and actually finding help and support. But actually just sticking police officers just to show a number, which is what both other parties are doing, is actually not the solution to it. So so dig down a little bit with with me. I was fascinated to listen a few weeks ago to the Chief Constable talking about uh, the 58 or I think it's 58 police officers that have been uh, allocated to Suffolk, the whole of Suffolk. Everyone wants to see police officers on on the beat, so Mm -hmm. to speak, because that makes people feel safe, statistically. Yet, their ability to solve crime is compromised because they're just wandering around the streets rather than solving crime. So what's the the next layer down of of policy if more police is not the answer? So the next layer down is, is actually changing those services and making sure that those services work together. So whether that's care services, whether that's education in schools, whether that's the police as well, but you need to make sure that they're all interlinked. And what we do sometimes have is working in silos and not necessarily working together. Um, and I think, you know, yes, there are administrative burdens on the police which can be uh, shortened, uh, and that's why I'm more in favour of ensuring that community police, because the community police actually know what's going on on the ground rather than having borough commanders who just sit there in a desk and actually don't know what's happening actually on the beat. Um, But actually community support officers, I know from my own experience, are far more well-informed than more higher-ranking police officers generally. I work a lot with the Metropolitan Police, um, actually through uh, the LGBT advisory group, which I sit on uh, as a hate crime specialist in London, um, and therefore understand the demands of the police, but also understand where some of the lacking infrastructure and communication is, is really problematic. And that's where a lot of time is wasted, unfortunately. Let's uh, zoom out a little bit to perhaps uh, talk about some uh, bigger issues. Uh, the Liberal Democrats is clearly the third party, uh, and you've fed up of hearing that, yeah. I'm sure. So I just want to ask you a few questions around the the positioning of the Liberal Democrats. You will know that last time we chatted, it was in the wake of Tim Farron, and we talked about the the way we felt, whoever felt he'd been treated, and and why with his particular religious convictions and so on. There are more recent cases, aren't there, of uh, potential candidates being deselected from the Liberal Democrat Party because they hold particular views on same-sex marriage, on abortion, and other similar topics that would be seen in the broad heading of morality. But yet, if I was to ask you what defines you as a Liberal Democrat, you would probably say, and you can correct me, Liberal open, tolerant, and yet it seems that the Liberal Democrats have this 
this kind of inbuilt contradiction that they're tolerant, providing the views fit, whatever tolerance needs to be. So can you just help unpack that a little bit to help us understand how an inclusive, open, tolerant party is deselecting people because they hold particular views? It's a very tricky one. Um, and I'll be very honest with you, I, I don't normally come to church, but the reason why I'm inclusive is because I'm here this morning to be with you all. Uh, it's not something I normally do. It's, I'm not religious per se. But then again, I enjoyed thoroughly the, the, the uh, event this morning and, and coming. And, and may I say, we are super grateful to you because we recognise that this is a particular culture. And if you're not involved in that culture, it's pretty awkward coming into someone else's culture. And we, we honour you and we're really grateful for that. But, but that's the point, you see. If you're inclusive, you do come to somebody else's culture and you learn how it works. You listen and learn and you accept and understand and respect other people. Uh, and that's how I am. That's who I am. Um, I've always been in that, in that particular fashion. And that's why I joined the Liberal Democrats. Uh, because their, their mantra is about being open, tolerant, and inclusive and united. Um, that doesn't mean to say, though, that there are policy differences. And this is where we, as a democratic party, we are the only party that actually go to a conference and we actually vote on policies. Both the Labour and Tory uh, parties actually just put policies on top of them. They didn't actually get to vote on them properly as members. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I joined the Liberal Democrats, because you do have that say. Uh, you do have that opportunity to object to things. Uh, and you do have that opportunity to support and campaign for things. Now, that might not be to everyone's view, but you at least have that opportunity to register a disagreement or an agreement. Um, and I know very well, coming from my own upbringing, that there are uh, issues around, for instance, same-sex marriage. I'm, I'm married to a man. Now, for me, that's incredibly important um, because I believe that's a relationship that we should all have the opportunity to have, whether you are religious or not. But, so, 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 so if you just take yeah. it one step forward, so, so I totally agree with what you're saying in terms of being open and tolerant. Mm -hmm. But, but what seems to happen is that someone who is willing to be open and tolerant yet still holds a view that doesn't fit, the party's not tolerant of people holding that view. That's how it appears to those, to, to some of us, to me. <laughs> I won't yeah. bring anyone else into my conversation looking in on the outside. And that's the tricky bit about being a party member. Uh, and therefore, once you've had a democratic vote on a particular issue, um, you either disagree with it openly and you are deselected. And I'm, there are a number of people who have been deselected over the last couple of weeks before standing because they have said things which are misogynistic, homophobic, racist, across all parties. True, but people Am have I... also been deselected simply because they've held certain views that are incompatible with the Liberal Democrats. And so I, 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 that, that then it appears that you're not as open as and tolerant as you talk about. That's, well, the, that's the nub of what I'm trying to Yeah, I can see where the nub you're coming yeah. from, but I think that's the part at which you have to play the team responsibility. And if you don't agree with what the collective view of the Liberal Democrats is, then you either keep quiet and you carry on and you don't express those views, like particularly Tim Farron did at the last general election. Uh, and I was in, in, in a position where I was the one who was asked to challenge him and to um, sort of check on the sort of views he pronounced upon. Um, at the same time, if you hold... And we have many different people from many different religious backgrounds in the party who all are welcome, uh, whether that being Sikh, Buddhist, Jew, uh, Muslim, whatever. So there are lots of different diverse opinions, and you have to respect and listen to them. And that's why 
I'm here because I know that actually within the Liberal Democrat Party in Ipswich, there are some very strong religiously held views. Um, and I respect them and I understand them. But I also accept that from a Liberal Party perspective, when you put yourself forward as a candidate, you then have to have some kind of boundaries which says, well, I may not completely agree with that, so I'm not going to emphasise the fact that I perhaps don't agree with it. And I'm afraid Tim Farron fell, full, fell foul of that last time because he insisted on not actually emphasising the party line. And that's where the inclusive bit means you have to take responsibility for standing as a candidate. And that's where probably being a candidate and just being a normal Liberal Democrat member is different. You have to take that responsibility. So I may not agree with some parts of tuition fees, for example, but that was the, what the party agreed upon. But, but with so you have to then the take that and approach. tuition fees is a different level of magnitude to some of the other things that we might Well, you may, you may think that, but for me, I would say the same-sex yeah. marriage and LGBT rights are far more important in our party currently, and that's something that's a mantra that we have within our equality and inclusive party, that is something that um, you may say that from the other two parties' perspective, we have issues around Islamophobia for the Conservatives and we have issues around uh, anti-Semitism for the Labour Party, far more in the media than any issues around the Liberal Democrats. And I think possibly that's a way to look at it and see, well, actually, um, there aren't those, those sort of level of issues in the media because perhaps they don't exist in the Liberal Democrats because we are more inclusive. Okay, great. Thanks for, for, for just exploring that with us. So let's continue this bigger thing, that's sort of where the Liberal Democrats are positioned. We're in this really ironic position, aren't we? That if someone really wants to remain in Europe, then you are their party because you're clear, mm -hmm. but voting for you almost certainly means in Ipswich that the Conservatives will get in and we will be immediately out of Europe. So a Liberal Democrat vote ends up being meaningless? No. And I think this is, this is where, um, to be honest, if we're ever going to change the way our party politics is run, it means that at some point, at some general election, people have to actually stand for what they really believe in and not just vote for the least worst option. And this is an example where we're at a point where if, if there had been an agreement between Labour and Liberal Democrat parties to stand only one candidate in certain seats, I would have been up for doing that. Unfortunately, between the leaderships of both the Labour and Liberal Democrats, there was not an agreement. Uh, there was agreements like, for instance, between the Greens, Liberal Democrats and Plyde own 60 seats to actually only have one candidate. So it's possible. But I'm afraid um, the tribalism that exists, certainly within the Labour Party, means that they would never do a deal with the Liberal Democrats. And even where they've really got no chance of winning, like somewhere like Brighton Pavilion, uh, with the Green Party leader, Caroline Lucas, they still haven't stood down for her. So it sort of gives you an idea of where, where, where we're at, where it is actually really quite a difficult issue. Um, but I'm being very honest with you in the sense that uh, if there had have been some kind of relationship between the, the two, two remain leading parties, then I would have stood down. Um, but I also then give you the other part of this where I feel very strongly that people have the right to have a choice of options to vote for. It shouldn't be down to the two big parties. We should have a range of parties because people have the right to choose the party they really feel strongest to. And if I wasn't standing in Ipswich, 
I think there would be a lot of people who would feel that there wasn't a party for them to vote for. Uh, as my special colleague Inga uh, down, down there is her first time she's able to vote in a general election because she has now national citizenship. And I know that she would feel absolutely te- mortified if she couldn't vote for me in her first general election. So you have to take that on board. But I'd also add, and I think this is part, part, partly that people don't know these facts. So yes, in 2017, it was a, a very much a squeezed vote for me. But in the 2019 European elections, the Liberal Democrats outpolled the Labour Party, 5,600 votes to 5,000. So if you were going to go on recent election votes, actually, Liberal Democrat votes were in, in more than the Labour Party, which I think most people, and I don't know how many people in this room knew that fact, I can see probably a couple of people did, but most people don't know that. And I think if you, if, if I was to say what well, I think on basic, uh, on basic, on reading the last polls that actually Sandy should stand down and he, all the 5,000 votes should come to me, with the two of us together, then we could have just about outvoted the Brexit party based on the 2019, uh, European election results. But actually the Brexit party got 11,200 votes. So that does call for working together. Um, and sadly, that hasn't happened. So, so let's pick up that theme of working together, which is my final kind mm-hmm. of three of terms of where the Liberal Democrats find themselves right now. Uh, and that's that he, 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 if, if on Friday you're cheering from the rooftops because the Liberal Democrats have exceeded the polls and expectations and so on, you're still kind of not going into coalition with anybody because that was a disaster last time. So what's the point? Well, no, there, there's two very key points here. Um, Coalition and, conv- and supply and confidence motions are two very different things. And yes, Joe Swinson, our leader, has been very clear that we'd not go into coalition with Boris Johnson and we wouldn't go into coalition with Jeremy Corbyn. And I totally support her on that particular view. That doesn't mean to say that there can't be a confidence and supply motions between possibly three parties in terms of the Labour, Liberal Democrats and the SNP And I can see that being a possibility on the basis of having a people's vote. That is the only way we will get out of this Brexit mess. So if there were sufficient numbers across that group of um, parties, and the Greens as well, probably with only one MP, but I'm including Caroline Lucas in that as well, um, that would be a way that I could see us agreeing to a issue-by-issue vote on the basis that there had to be a people's vote. If, as current polls suggest, that there is a conservative majority, which worries me like hell, but that's what's being predicted at the moment, then we know that we are leaving Europe, or leaving the European Union on the, at the end of January. Um, and therefore, I would encourage everyone who knows anybody in the room, who knows that they're sitting in seats which... Liberal Democrats can beat Conservatives in, and they are traditionally a Labour voter to vote Liberal Democrat. And even here, where I know many of my friends in the Liberal Democrat Party are voting Labour, and I've accepted that's their view and their wish to do that because they know that their, their vote might prevent a Conservative victory here, I'm not going to get upset or um, uh, you know, get furious about it because I understand why they're doing that, and that's inclusive understanding politics. And you have to be able to do that sometimes. And it's also being a bit mature 
in, 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 in the same process. Because I know that there are people who have strongly held views in both parties who will never vote for the other party, mm. whether we like it or not. Um, and that's not to say that also there are some conservative Remainers who absolutely couldn't vote for Jeremy Corbyn's party but could vote for us. So we've got to allow everyone to have that option to switch sides. So we'll have to wait and see, won't we? It will be a very late one here. I can we're, guarantee we're, you we're, that I suspect it to be a tight one. We're, we're running out of time, but very quickly, just because it's, it's in, in our Christian circles come up uh, mm -hmm. over this last week or so quite significantly because of what was said in the Labour manifesto, mm -hmm. to be fair, but the Liberal Democrat manifesto wants to decriminalise abortion. What, why do you want to do that? Just very quickly. Yes, I mean, at our part, well, not decriminalise, it's just to keep the abortion exactly the same as it is, which is 24 weeks. Um, now, for me, this is an issue for women. I don't think any men should be writing in. And I'm, actually, the most amount of emails I'm getting are from men telling me how I think a woman should be treated. And I don't think that's my point to do that. It should be down to a woman's decision to make that decision for themselves and for their own situation. That's not something that I can and, and decide given, on. given that the Liberal Democrats are such a great fan of Europe, why don't mm. we bring the 24 weeks down to more of a European average? Because that's medically it's not required. And therefore, the 14 to 16 weeks across Europe, which it is, um, I'm, I don't think we need to go to that route. I think it's quite where it is at the moment, is where it's sensible, where medical evidence shows that it's the right place. And actually, evidence-based is always the place the Liberal Democrats sit. Listening to the evidence is far more important than making out that... Uh, there are other needs just because of a morality or moral issue which doesn't actually have the evidence to support it. And very quickly, the church is the largest volunteer organisation in Ipswich by an absolute mile. Mm -hmm. uh, how would we expect, or what would we expect in terms of support from the Liberal Democrats? I think from an inclusive support across the board, we are there for everyone. And that's uh, my view, and I've very uh, clearly exercised that you know, being here this morning is extremely important because I think everyone needs to hear everyone else's voices. And I'm here to listen to your voices too, and that's uh, you know, incredibly important. At the same time, as someone who doesn't have a religious view, um, I have to respect and understand that I know church plays a massive part in society, uh, and it plays a massive part in Ipswich, um, and therefore, we will always support the, the services and the um, uh, hospitality and the facilities that the church provides in order to support people who are perhaps not so as fortunate as ourselves. And that's really important. Thank you. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, we super appreciate uh, people like yourself who are willing uh, to get involved. You're not just talking, you're getting involved. You're uh, seeking to serve in public life, and, and we respect and honor that. So let's pray, everybody. Father, we thank you for, for Adrian, and we thank you for all the people that he represents who are willing to fight, to get involved, to serve in order for the flourishing of your world. So give those people across every political party, give everyone involved wisdom and mercy and compassion and insight in bucket loads, we pray. We realize the complexity of the task. And so we pray for all those that Adrian represents. And for him too, we thank you for his presence with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you show your appreciation to Adrian? Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.